morning, everybody, and thank you for joining me again today on Next on the T. We are brought to you today by the great folks over at the French Lick Resort, the World Golf Village, the Leather Shop, the PGA Tour Superstore, the Bobby Jones Company, and our great new friends over at Frogger Golf as well. And if you haven't checked out FroggerGolf.com lately, they've got a wonderful array of products. I can't brag enough about their accessories like the Amphibian Towel that won the best new product at the uh, PGA Merchandise Show back in 2009, or their new Catch Latch technology that easily and securely attaches and releases your Amphibian Towel, your your Brush Pro uh, Club Cleaner, you know, helps to, you know keep them secure and safe on your bags. It's a, it's a great way to make sure that you're not having to ask the group behind you, hey, did you find my towel? Check them out online at froggergolf.com. Let me also say how much I love the new Bobby Jones apparel. Please go to bobbyjones.com. Take a look at their summer clearance, plus their new fall arrivals. The the Bobby Jones brand pays tribute to its namesakes, you know, achievements of excellence, you know, now with their sportswear. And they've also, you know, it's it's so greatly designed. Some of the great stuff that they have. If you haven't seen it, please go on bobbyjones.com to check it out. Their, their golf shorts are soft. They're fantastic to wear. You know, it's still blazing hot outside right and the technology that they have and their fabrics keeps you cool so it's really fantastic all their great stuff and they got their new fall line coming out as well so bobbyjones.com go online check it out i'm your host chris mascaro and this morning i'm excited to share two really great guests with you first up is going to be pga professional and the founder of the salute military golf association jim estes excited to have jim back on the show with me We'll get an update on all the great things that they're doing for our wounded veterans, their American golfer program, which is fantastic. Plus, we'll talk about his new V1 golf app uh, and as well as experience last year at the Senior PGA Championship up at our partner, the French Lick Resort. So Jim will be along with me here in just a few moments. Following him, we'll get a visit from LPGA professional and broadcaster Maureen Medill. Very excited to have Maureen as part of the show with me this morning. We'll talk to her about her two British ladies amateur championship victories back in 1979 and 80. We'll also get her thoughts on the upcoming Ryder Cup. She and I both share a deep affinity for the Masters Tournament in Augusta Augusta National. So we'll talk about that as well. We'll do all that and more when she joins me a little bit later in this half hour. So We're going to have a lot of fun this morning. I'm so glad that you're here to take the journey with me over the next hour or so. Like I mentioned a moment ago, we are sponsored by the French Lick Resort, which is an absolutely spectacular place. Their Pete Dye and Donald Ross design courses were ranked number one and number two in the state of Indiana by Golf Week. It was the site of last year's Senior PGA Championship, which, like I mentioned, Jim Estes played in. They also just hosted the LPGA Legends Championship a couple of weeks ago. So go to FrenchLick.com to see for yourself how great it is and to book your stay. We are also sponsored by our friends over at the Leather Shop, makers of top quality custom-made leather dress, casual, and golf shoes. Folks, do your feet a favor and put them inside some shoes. They're going to keep them feeling good and looking good all day long. You can find them online at the-leather-shop.com. And every week here on Next on the T, we like to kick off the show by saluting the brave men and women serving in every branch of our military who are tuning in around the world on the Armed Forces Radio Network. We can't thank all of you enough for the daily sacrifices that you and your families are making to protect our freedoms and our liberties. We also want to thank our veterans for all that you and your families have done for us over the years. It's through your strength and your efforts that our way of life is even possible. Folks, if you happen to see a member of our military when you're out and about, whether it's in the airport, at a restaurant, at the grocery store, wherever you might be, please stop for a moment and tell them thank you. They are our true heroes. Our sincere thanks as well to Sean Cruz and all the wonderful folks over at the Armed Forces Radio Network. It is such an honor 
for us to have next on the TV a part of your network. You can find our show by going to armedforcesradionetwork.org. And I want to continue to remind our veterans out there, please be sure to check out globalvoiceforveterans.org. It is a great site with news and articles and a wealth of information that's designed specifically for our veterans out there that I'm sure you're going to find both interesting and beneficial to you. Again, globalvoiceforveterans.org. All right, now back with me on the French Lick Resort guest line is Jim Estes. Jim is making his fifth appearance with me here on the show. Let me remind you about his background. He's from Washington, Washington, D.C., played his college golf at the University of Tennessee and then the University of Maryland. He won the 1985 uh, Maryland Amateur Championship, played on what's now the Web.com Tour in the late 80s and 90s, winning the 1989 Greater Ozarks Open and the 1996 Nike Inland Empire Open. Jim has also worked as a club professional during that time, winning the 1995 PGA Club Professional Player of the Year from the PGA of America. Back in 2007, Golf Magazine presented Jim with the Innovator Award for the work he does teaching the game of golf to our war veterans out there. Can't thank him enough for the efforts that he's making around that. 2008 was a big year. He was awarded the Middle Atlantic Section President's Award for his outstanding contributions to the local community. Finished seventh in the National Club Professional Championship and qualified for the PGA Championship that year. And he was named the Middle Atlantic Player of the Year. In 2010, he was the P- he won the PGA Patriot Award. Uh, great, great honor there. And we'll talk to Jim about that. And he, he's one of the top teachers of the game as well. And last year, he played in the Senior PGA Championship at the Pete Dye Course up at uh, our partner, the French Lick Resort. Uh, you know, who is, uh, you know, one of our wonderful sponsors. Can't thank those folks enough. And he is also the founder of the Salute Military Golf Association, which provides rehabilitative golf experiences for our wounded war veterans. And I'm very thankful to have him back with me next on the tee this morning. Good morning, Jim. How are you, my friend? Okay, hi, Chris. <laughs> that was a uh, quite an introduction. Thank you for all that. Uh, you're making me think too much of how old I am with all that stuff. But, uh, <laughs> uh Look, it's an honor for me to be on your show. It's an honor for me to get to talk to the Owned Forces Radio Network about what we're doing because I think it, it's something that a vast majority of people don't know about because we are a small organization in that SMGA. And, um, you know, some of the things that we offer are that American Golfer program that we started in 2010. Now we're up to 150 veterans who served our country and in overseas and had some sort of injury, whether it be physical or, or PTS or, or whatever that case may be, you can go on our website, you can sign up. And then what we'll do is we'll pair you with a PGA professional uh, in your area. Uh, And that good, uh, good uh, gentleman or lady will provide you with some, not only good instruction, but custom fitted golf equipment from tailor made, uh, so the other couple of things I wanted to mention were, uh, you know, our, 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 like Chris, you have great partners. We have great partners, RBC and, and Booz Allen. We've got over 20 golf events that Booz Allen does to reintegrate our armed forces, military folks with the community, not only uh, the community, but also with corporate world. And so and many of them get hired and Booz does a great job with um, doing this, this uh, people building skill of playing golf and, and, talking to veterans about reintegration and getting them um, a job uh, because we all know how important that is once you, mm-hmm. you get out of the military. So that's, um, you know, that's an ancillary benefit to being a, a golfer is you can 
sometimes find a career path that you wouldn't ordinarily find. So that, that also is a, another valuable thing that I think uh, many of the guys and ladies would be interested in hearing about. So if you go to smga.org, sign up for our American Golfer Program. Um, and also we have clinic series uh, at 13 different locations now, and those clinic series are eight weeks. And, again, we, uh, we do a nice ratio uh, today we're having a clinic. Uh, we've got about 70, 70 veterans. We have child care. We want we, a big part of our program is inclusion. So we want to have the kids learning the game. We want the, the you know, the, the moms and the dads to play uh, together because um, that's so important in the military to make sure that we preserve that family unit because they're all doing their good work. And uh, that sometimes that, that means being away from the family for a long periods of time. So, we want to encourage that. And uh, the clinic series are uh, in the spring and fall. And like I said, we've got 10 golf pros out here. We've got 50 uh, or 60 today. I haven't counted them all up. So it's a good ratio. Everybody gets help. And we need to grow the game. Uh, as you know, uh, Chris, um, the quality of our instruction is really important. We've got to make people better, and we've got to get them to enjoy the game. So that's what our goal is. So that was and Jim, <laughs> no, 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 that's fantastic stuff because, you know, the, the work that you guys do or, you know, the things that you guys provide at the SMG are, are absolutely fantastic. And I know we've talked about it, you know, the other times you've been on the show, but, you know, for, for folks that are just hearing this message for the first time, I think it's important to remind them it's not just golf instruction that you guys do. Right. I mean, you, for, for right. you know, our wounded veterans that come come back, whether, you know, some, some are facing, you know, issues with paralysis, some have, you know, lost a limb right. or, or parts of a limb, you guys, you know, help them, you know, get, you know, get to where they can play. Talk about, you know, for our, for our para golfers, what, you know, some of the things right. that you guys have been able to do. Talk about right. you know, I mean, some of the amputation. adaptive equipment, right? Exactly. Yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah. The adaptive equipment, we have four para golfers and this is a three wheel vehicle much like a greens mower, if you got folks can envision that three-wheeled greens mower, and it's got a hydraulic chair, it's got a, it's got a, a shin belt, it's got a waist seat belt, and it's got a chest belt. And if you're an incomplete paraplegic, uh, you have partial use of of, of your limbs, um, or you have no use of your legs, but you have use of your upper extremities. What a great thing! Uh, I I recently worked with a gentleman who. Uh, played golf to a 14 handicap before he got injured. And he called me and he said, you know, I heard about this pair of golfer. I want to try a lesson. I don't think I'll be able to do it, but I just thought I'd give it a try. And it, it was the best experience for me because I got to see that guy hit the ball 85 yards and he didn't think he could ever play golf again. And it was like, um, you know, little things in life make you happy. Well, that was mm-hmm. to some people, you know, might not be a big deal, but for that gentleman, uh, it brought tears to his eyes and his wife's eyes that he could actually do do a physical activity that he thought he could never do. So, um, you know, I was I was just grateful to be a part of that, and I didn't do anything other than just uh, provide the vehicle and give him a couple little tips, and uh, he was on his way. But but uh, that's what it's all about. I mean, our organization. I I tell people the most important part of our our organization um, is the uniqueness to which that we get to intimately involve ourselves looking face to face at those people and, and they know we care. And I get to meet everybody personally and, and all, all 13 board members. We have lunch with those folks every week for eight weeks and 
lunch might be more important than the golf because they get comfortable and they're in a fraternal sort of situation where they can talk to other members of the military that have had the same experience they have. And that's a valuable tool. And I don't Mm -hmm. pretend to know, you know, what they've dealt with. And I don't, I don't profess to know, you know, what they're going through. I just want to be that conduit and uh, provide the opportunity for them to uh, get together with the other men and women in the military and maybe even, you know, other services, which is great. I mean, we're working with all the services. And so um, I've seen so many folks get back into to golf after being out of it or never being exposed to it. I mean, over 50% of our golfers have never even played golf. But for one reason or another, they just never have been exposed to the game. And so, like I told you before, as a coach, you want somebody that listens and commits and got the discipline to do what you want. And these folks are, are amazing. And they have all the unique qualities that it takes to play not only well, but just, you know, to, to play at all. I mean, and so for us, it's just, uh, it's a tr- joy and a treat. Jim, you know, one of the things you, you sort of have alluded to in here as well is, you know, you know, for, for our veterans that have come back and, you know, are dealing with, you know, when you say PTS, post-traumatic syndrome, going through 92% of the wounded veterans you work with, they had helped them deal with the post-traumatic syndrome. For for partners who might be listening out there that, that have, you know, have somebody that uh, is, you know, is a veteran or, or still out there in the military and they know that the, you know, that their partner is, is struggling with some post-traumatic syndrome. Right. Talk about, you know, the, you know, the emotional uplift, if you will, and, and the way that, you know, some of your veterans that you've worked with, you know, have you right. know, been able to improve their mental aspect by going out there and playing golf? Well, what's interesting is, you know, some of the side effects of PTS is not regular sleep, uh, outbursts, not being, not being able to handle crowds or loud noises. All of these things, they get desensitized in our program, and we meet them where they are. That's number one. So if the guy says, hey, look, I can't, I can't be around crowds, I say, fine, we'll do some individual lessons. Or but the great part about it is green grass, fresh air, and talking about you know, meeting them where they are is probably the most important. If, I mean, you have to be able to, as a golf pro, you have to be able to provide that atmosphere of comfort. And I think that's what we do more than anything. We provide the atmosphere for comfort. And mm-hmm. some of the great stories, I mean, there are guys that stand to the side. And I have one, this, this, this group, this eight-week program, he wouldn't participate. Big guy, big Samoan guy. Looks like he should be, uh, you know, play nose guard. But, you know, it turns out, you know, after about an hour, you know, he decided, hey, I got to try this. And I gave him a club. And I had him hit some shots. And a smile came to his face. And he's like, hey, maybe I can do this. Because he was, you know, he's he was a, a little bit unsure, never been exposed to golf. And uh, didn't say a word to me. I mean, would not even talk to me. Wouldn't look me in the eye. And after an hour, the guy's saying hi to everybody, talking to me and, and we had lunch together and that's, that's the kind of thing I'm talking about, you know? So, Mm -hmm. um, with the golf was, 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 uh, brought him, brought him out. Uh, and the trust factor is what it is to a large degree too, Chris. I mean, we're not out here. Um, you know, no one has to benefit. We have so many volunteers. No one's benefiting from this. This is a service. This is, this is something that we all are compelled to do. Uh, because we love we love our veterans and what they represent and the freedoms that they they give us today. So once the folks realize that there's no benefit for us other than just to want to help them, um, 
it's a whole different atmosphere, totally different atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And they're, I, I tell you what, they're, they'll do anything to help. Uh, not only, uh, further the organization, but, but, uh, you know, practice. I mean, all of the stuff that I see guys, they come out here and they practice what you tell them to practice. And, and they do, and they, you know, the other great benefit is we have golf tournaments for guys in the local area and in all our chapters and the golf tournaments are another great way for them to uh, meet people and, uh, you know, that have the same issues and, um, cause they're paired together and it really opens the public eye too, to what's going on as well. Um, cause I don't think the public, the vast majority of people really know how long a three year, uh, or six or seven, uh, times being, uh, in country, um, in a mission situation, how much that really takes a toll on, on the family and, and, and everything. So, uh, it really opened my eyes. It really did. And, and, and to your point, Jim, you know, you mentioned Booz Allen earlier and they, they sponsor some tournaments yeah. and those tournaments are held around the country, right? So you know, talk yeah, about they have you know, where those events yeah. are. Yeah. So, um, you know, I don't even know all the offices Booz have, but we've got over 20 tournaments and we recently, uh, you know, and what's great about it is, is we pair a veteran with, with, or sometimes two or three vets with, uh, an employee, and a lot of times the employee is a military person who served. And so it's a great opportunity to, for that, for the folks that are just reintegrating to see, hey, this person, this wounded veteran is working in, at a nice company and they can talk about, you know, how their job and whatever expertise they have in the military, how Booz is using that expertise. And and I think that's another valuable tool for them to see another veteran who's moved out of the military into society, has a nice job, is reintegrated. And that's a huge confidence booster for, for many of these folks because they don't know what they're going to do uh, a lot of times uh, when they get out of the military. I haven't really thought about it. And uh, it's a big deal. I mean, uh, you know, getting getting a job uh, that you're passionate about. And so many, I can tell you stories of guys that have come through my program that want to be PGA pros. Hey, how do I get? And so a lot of times, uh, you know, they can use the GI bill to go and go through the PGM program. And I've got probably a half dozen guys that have gone on to do that, which is really neat to see them. It's so excited about the game of golf that they want to teach it or play it or, or work at a, at a, in a golf operation. I think that's really neat. But but Booz has got we've got Dayton, Ohio, we've got Bethesda, Maryland, we've got uh offices in uh Florida, we've got one in Tampa that we do. I don't even know all the cities now, but um if you go on the website, uh you'll be able to see a city and if you want to play in a tournament, uh that's another thing. Anybody can play in a golf tournament. It's not expensive to play. I think we charge like a hundred bucks to play with a vet and uh you're doing a great not only a great service to that veteran, but you're going to see firsthand uh, just how golf has um, made a huge difference in their reintegration and, and the rehabilitation process. And Jim, one thing I, I don't think our audience may be aware of, but you know, the military operates about 150 golf courses around the world. And, you know, curious, you know, have, have you guys been able to, you know, go over to one of the military golf courses and, you know, as a part of the SMGA and, and talk about events or meet the military personnel at those courses? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We have operations in uh, Fort Drum at Fort Bragg, Lejeune, um, 
because we started out going to the, the command and working with MWR, uh, and we have fortunately some guys in uh, that have, have uh, like we have one guy that works at the Pentagon who knows all of the garrison commanders at all of the different uh, armed services um, barracks, and so we're we're we can sort of jump through some hoops, um, and it's really been great to uh, to be able to work with Bragg and Lejeune and Eustis and some of the other ones down in Portsmouth, Virginia, Oceana. Um, but I mean, it, we're going to continue to try to grow within the, the the Air Force and within the Navy. I think those are the two because, well, as you know, the Air Force um, they have a lot of golf courses that are. Um, and we've got a program out in Hawaii, and Booz Allen has a, uh, an office in Hawaii. So we, we just recently got one. Um, we've got one in Oregon. Um, we want to get in California, and that's a, that's we've got some offices in California. That So we're always trying to grow this thing. And um, we're a small organization, Chris. We only have two employees. So, um, And like I said, 93%, 94%, we have a CFC number now, which – the government employee can con- contribute to our organization through their plan. Um, and so to get that, you know, you, you, you have to be right. You have to be 93% of what we raise goes towards our mission and uh, only having two employees. Um, we're doing the right thing. We're getting them. What our goal and our mission um, is to provide uh, a conduit for guys to grow into, you know, something they love. And that is the game of golf. Uh, and use that in, in their rehabilitation. And like I said, I think I'm I'm most proud of, of all the people that are on our board because they're they're all so passionate and they're volunteers and they're all a lot of them are military. But we have people in in all walks of life, and uh, we've been fortunate that that uh, it takes a lot of work, you know, to to run something like this. And uh, thankfully, I just do the golf now. But but uh, yeah, I would encourage anybody that's interested in, in learning more about our, our program, I would sign up for that American Golfer program. I think it's a really a cool, and like I said, we've had 150 guys. We started out in 2015 with only 35, and now we're up to 150 guys who've gotten gone through the program, gotten some lessons and gotten some clubs and are playing the game of golf. And like I said, we've worked with almost 3,000 people now, over 3,000 people, brand new golfers that have gone on to uh, get some golf equipment over the last nine years and play the game. And we have a pretty large retention rate. Um, you know, 90% of the people that have gone through our program are still playing golf today, even 10 years later. So um, I think that's pretty good. That is very good. And Jimmy, yeah. you know, there's, there's a link on the site on the, again, it's smga.org and uh, about a group of wounded warriors that went over to Ireland to play golf. That's a, uh, that had to be fantastic. Yeah, that was amazing. I mean, uh, we had some ambassadors uh, pay for the opportunity through, you know, the Folds of Honor and Warriors for Freedom and um, some other organizations kick in. And we had – it was a really neat program. Some of the the sponsors actually provided some mentorship to a lot of the vets that went. And uh, it was a great opportunity for them to get a look into um, – how to run a business, how to run, uh, you know, all the different things that, that the the ambassadors have learned through their careers in business. They gave um, about an hour lecture almost every day. It was it, before we uh, we played golf. We had a different speaker, a different ambassador talk about, 
you know, how the, and most of them are past military, uh, guys that have been in the military and how that, how they've gotten out of the military and, and gone into business and so many great principles, um, uh, were shared as it relates to, uh, you know, entrepreneurship and just running a business. And a lot of guys, um, haven't heard that because when you're in the military, you know, your, your commander's telling you uh, what to do and so on. And, um, so a lot of the business practices that they learn, best practices were, were really interesting. I learned a lot myself when listening to a lot of these guys. Um, so, but the golf was best, was spectacular. We played so many great courses. I mean, we played Ballard Bunyan and we played, um, well, Royal County down. What a, what a treat. That's like, I think number one in, on the list in Europe, golf digest and maybe in the world. And, uh, uh, you know, some of the other ones, um, Name, you know, weren't as, as famous, but still really good. Like this course called Dukes. And anyway, it was a week, uh, and it was a fantastic week. And, uh, Peter Kessler went on in 2000, went with us in 2012, and we had some journalists go and they documented it through video and, and, and blogs. It was, it was really neat. And we had some great stories. Um, Golf Dodgers Irish Tours did the, did the, uh, did the trip and, uh, just magnificent. I, I, I got to go and I, I'd been over to Ireland before and played and I was blown away. What a great place. And uh, the people of Ireland just love Americans and they got a standing ovation in every pub they went into. So it was pretty cool. That is pretty cool. I'm talking with the yeah. PGA professional and the founder of the Salute Military Golf Association, Jim Estes here on Next on the T. And Jim, just a couple more before we let you go. Um, you got a great new app out there the v1 golf app that's available on iphones and yeah talk to talk about what that is well i've been a long time customer of v1 and i i uh, i'm a branded academy member which gives me the opportunity to send you know lesson clips to my students with the v1 app the great thing about this is you can send me a video clip i have a pro code number and you could send me a clip um and with the phones nowadays and and the tablets the the quality of the camera are so good. I mean, you can see everything. And this this app, they've upgraded, so it's so much user user more user friendly than than it was before for people to send video to your instructor. Um, and the great thing I like is um, what's important for the app is just the accessibility. Anywhere, anytime, I can look at my app on my phone and I can see that someone sent me a lesson and I can look at that video and comment and send, send, send comments back to them and they can watch it. And all of it's captured on the servers V1 has and, and they, they get, they stay on the server. So they're, they're logged chronologically on the server any video that you send me that I comment on, you can access at any time and it stays on there permanently. So it really is pretty neat. And, uh, I've had the V1 app on my uh, my iPad, but I use it primarily uh, when I'm uh, outside, and that's the advantage. Like if I'm outside on the range, and uh, uh, you know I don't I don't have um, the ability to use a camera, I'll just use my phone, and I'll take a video, and I'll send it, and then that person will receive it, get the video, do the things I ask them to do, send me a video back. So it's it's uh it's pretty neat. You can interface and you can do this worldwide. I mean, I can get videos from Germany. I can get videos anywhere. So it's cool. 
Um, that is very cool. And there's so many features. I mean, the drawing tools and being able to compare, compare, you know, uh, setups and, and ball positions and swing planes and all that good stuff. Um, so it's, 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 it's neat. And the HD quality, I think is, 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 is what's even, even nicer now with these phones. Jim, uh, before we let you go, remind our listeners again, one more time, how can they find you and follow you plus this loop military golf association? How can they do that both online and over social media as well? Yeah. I mean, I have a number one golf doc is my Twitter handle. Um, and then warrior golf, uh, hashtag warrior golf, hashtag number one golf doc. That's the Twitter handles you can go to. And then obviously www.smga.org or jimestisgolf.com. Um, on my website, I've, I've got lots of pictures and, and things uh, about SMGA and, and, uh, how that's influenced my teaching. Um, and if you have any questions, um, you know, I try to get back to, uh, folks as soon as possible. We do have an office too. Um, you can call 1-800-500-7449. Um, Dan Flieger, our executive director and John, uh, Riviere, who's our program manager, director of program operations. He sort of oversees all the different chapters and, and the American golfer program. And, uh, you know, give us a call, please. Uh, we want to help you guys and ladies, um, use golf and, uh, so that you can do something, spend some time with your family and learn a skill. Uh, but I'm not going to lie to you. It's not easy. It's not an easy game, but, uh, the, the folks in the military have the mental wherewithal to be able to do it. And, uh, we just want to be able to introduce uh, introduce you to this great game. Fantastic stuff, Jim. Thank you so much, not only for coming back and, and, and being a part of the show again for a fifth time today, because it's always a, you know, a privilege for me to get to spend some time uh, with you, but thank you for you know what you're doing with the Salute Military Golf Association, what you're doing for our veterans out there. It's all really fantastic stuff. You're, uh, you're oh, fantastic. Oh, thanks. And like I said, you got a great show, Chris, and I listen to it myself and learn a lot of stuff, but... Uh, you know, giving us a, an opportunity to talk about it. I'm so grateful. Um, so I really appreciate it. And, uh, like I said, uh, the little things, uh, like learning the game is not as important as, as the relationships. And, and I think we've developed a good relationship with you and we really appreciate your support. Uh, thank you for that, Jim. Same here. I, it's an honor for me to have you guys as part of the show. So take care, my friend. We look forward to catching up with you again real soon. In the meantime, all the best to you, your family, and everyone at the Salute Military Golf Association. Jim. All right. Thanks again. All right. Bye take now. care, Jim. That is a PGA professional and, again, the founder of the Salute Military Golf Association, Jim Estes. It's uh, always an honor to have Jim as part of the show, and the great things that they're doing for our wounded veterans out there is, uh, is absolutely outstanding. I encourage everybody to please get involved in some way, shape, or form, whether you know, you're a veteran or you know somebody who is or you just like to be a volunteer and be a part of what they're doing. Check them out online. It's smga.org. All right, before I get to my next guest, Maureen Medill, we want to give a shout-out to our friends over at the PGA Tour Superstore, which you know I call a golf wonderland and the best place to get everything that you need, you know, to, to look great and play great out on the golf course. Check out all their great items from golf balls to clubs to rangefinders, apparel, so much more by going to PGATourSuperstore.com. And also to Jones Global Sports and our friends at the Bobby Jones Company. Folks, raise your game to new heights in performance with a brand that's been known for style character and excellence for the last 25 years. And that's the Bobby Jones company. 
They have an inspired collection of products that capitalize on fabric technology to deliver a, a modern look and performance while honoring, you know, the legacy of Bobby Jones that delivers on the promise of enduring style. They work hard to earn your respect, your trust, your business, and just as important, your long-term friendship. Communicate that you're here to stay by wearing clothes from a brand that has enduring style and presence, and that's the Bobby Jones Company. Check out all their great styles by going to bobbyjones.com. And while you're there on your site, click on the equipment link to see all the great line of drivers, fairway woods, hybrids, putters, designed by one of the game's most influential uh, equipment designers. That's Jesse Ortiz. Like his father, Lou, and Bobby Jones himself, Jesse, you know, has a passion for golf and golf club design. You remember the tri-metal fairway woods from his days back at Olimar. Well, now he's putting all of his, you know, innovative designs and creativity, you know, to work at the Bobby Jones Company. Check it out online as well. You can go directly there to bobbyjonesclubs.com or you can go to bobbyjones.com and click on the equipment link as well. And I also want to give a shout out to our friends over at the World Golf Village. My buddies and I, we did our annual guys golf trip down there this year. It's located in historic St. Augustine, Florida, just south of Jacksonville. The World Golf Village is an ultimate golf vacation destination and has a uh, it's a true paradise, folks, for fans of the game. The village, as it's often referred to by locals, is the home of the World Golf Hall of Fame as well, where the greatest players and contributors are honored and includes more than 70,000 square feet of displays, trophies and personal memorabilia. The World Golf Village also has two championship golf courses, including the King and the Bear, which is co-designed by Arnold Palmer and Jack Nicklaus, plus uh, the Sam Snead and Gene Sarazen masterpiece of Slammer and the Squire. Golfers looking to tune up their game, you know, before their round can book a lesson at their uh, golf school. It's the uh, the PGA Tour Golf Academy featuring the latest in learning technologies and really great instructors available there as well. You got a luxurious day awaiting you there at the Renaissance uh, World Golf Village. It's, uh, you know, an offer, you know, offers an, an array of, you know, great dining options, premier services, amenities. What a wonderful place that was. We got to stay there. Beautiful. No matter the time of year or the length of your visit, folks, the World Golf Village is sure to deliver an unmatched experience with family or friends and you're going to make memories that last you a lifetime. For more information, go to worldgolfvillage.com or give them a call. 1-800-948-4653. We'll get to Maureen Medill on the other side of this station identification. You're listening to Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro. Heard around the world on the Armed Forces Radio Network. Now joining me on the French Lick Resort guest line is Maureen Medill. Let me give you some background on Maureen. She's from Northern Ireland. She won the British Ladies Amateur Championship in 1979 and the British Ladies Amateur Stroke Play Championship in 1980. She represented Great Britain and Ireland in the Curtis Cup in 1980 and would later go on to captain the team in 1998 and 2004. She turned pro in 1986 and played on the Ladies European Tour until 1998, recording two runner-up finishes at the 1989 Woolmark Match Play Championship and the 1990 Hannage Open. You hear now as the very best Inside the Ropes broadcaster on BBC Radio and on TV on the Golf Channel and Sirius XM's PGA Tour Radio, and I'm honored to have her with me this morning all the way from over in the uk i'd say good morning maureen but it's afternoon where you are but either way thank you so much for joining me this morning it's lovely to chat with you so maureen i want to get things started by kind of going all the way back to the beginning curious at what age did you start your love affair with the game of golf well i think what as with so many people my parents were very influential and um I can hardly remember a time when I didn't play, to be honest, but I think I probably started when I was about six or seven years old. I have a sister who's three years older than me, and when she was about nine or ten, there were lots of girls her age and kids playing, and I think I was that irritating younger sister 
who just wanted to tag along. <laughs> so maybe if Patricia had been playing tennis or something, I might have found myself on the tennis court. But I think that was how, it got, how we got started, Chris. And, and Maureen, like I said in your intro, you won the British Ladies Amateur Championship in 1979. You won a two and one over Jane Locke at Naren Golf Club over there in Scotland. You know, take us what I what I'm imagining to be a very you know very stressful yet very exciting final round match play event. Well, the thing was, I I probably don't think there were too many people more surprised than I was when <laughs> I won that. Um, I was certainly not a favourite, I can tell you that. And um, it was quite interesting because that was 79. And in, the, in 1977, along with a Welsh girl, I had been um, the first woman to go from Great Britain and Ireland to the States on a golf scholarship. And I went down to Texas to Lamar University. And there was a wonderful coach there called Pat Park, with whom I'm still in contact. And playing, nobody had done it before. There were a few guys beginning to go over. I mean, in that era, there was um, Sandy Lyle, I think, went over. Nick Faldo, I believe, went over for a a, a semester or two. But um, as I say, this Welsh player and I were the first two women. And um, being introduced to college golf in the States, although it was all stroke play, it really toughened me up. And when I came back, I mean, I'm convinced it was my grinding out in Texas that enables me to be mentally strong enough to go on and win those couple of British titles. So it was it was great stuff. I mean, I really do put it down to my American stay, I must say. And Maureen, you came back the following year in, in 1980 and you, you won the British Ladies Amateur Stroke Play Championship at uh, Francibeth Castle Golf Club over in Dunham. I'm curious, you know, your memories from being a part now, you, you, you won one event and then boom, right back after it, you come back and you win a second. You know, you sort of get a bit of a habit, don't you, of winning? And um, we were playing full-time amateur golf and they were great days. And it was it was a rather curious time around that change over from the 70s to the 80s because the ladies european tour professional tour had started in 78 and the best players the best amateurs were not the ones who turned pro instantly the the best amateurs were making the international sides getting all the international trips and it was the the next rank who couldn't quite get onto those teams who took the plunge and turned professional on this new tour and then when they did that, well, wow, there's nothing concentrates your mind more than playing for money. And so very <laughs> quickly, the balance was redressed um, by the early 80s. The people who had turned professional were, had really stepped up in class, and they were better than those of us who had remained amateur by, by some distance. And that's sort of the natural order of things. Um, but at that time in the, in the 80s, we, we just, I just happened to be playing in and around with a, a bunch of really good players. I met the Mary McKenna's of this world who's had 11 Curtis Cups, I think she's had, and, you know, playing with and against Carol Semple Thompson, Judy Oliver, you know, Patty Sheehan, um, or Julie Inkster, all those, all the old dogs, <laughs> I would call them now, Chris. But um, it, it was a very strong, strong, um, spell and it was great fun and that's what it's all about yes and 
And Maureen, with you know, with the Ryder Cup matches just around the corner, we'll talk about that in a moment. You you were on the 1980 Curtis Cup team, and you captained them twice in in '98 and 2004. So you have a sense for what the Ryder Cup uh, Ryder Cup players and captains are going through as they prepare for for this year's matches. But talk about your experience, both as a player and a captain in the Curtis Cup. Well, um, when I was growing up, the sum total of my ambition was to play in the Curtis Cup because, um, you know, there was no um, professional tour when I was a youngster. Um, so that was the highest thing you could aim for on this side of the Atlantic, really. I mean, the the sort of far away nebulous LPGA, I mean, that was like, you know, way, way out of reach. Um and the first time I saw the Curtis Cup was when the Americans played, uh, came to Royal County Down um, to play us. And I was allowed a day off school to go with my mum and some of her friends up to watch this Curtis Cup match. And it was roasting hot weather. And I can remember the Americans appearing in these fantastic red Bermuda shorts. And they looked, I mean, I was just so in awe of them. They looked to me as if they were something like from outer space. And the, the, that team had people like um, Peggy Conley on it. Um, and it, the, I just thought the whole thing was amazing. So that was my goal, was to try and play on that, which I did then um, in 1980. Um, but we were, comp- at that, in that era, the Americans were just so much better than us. And we were outclassed, really. I mean, Patty Sheehan was just, um, by some distance, the best player from either side, and but it was it was terrific, and I loved it. I have to correct you; I didn't actually captain the team because professional golfers are not allowed to captain the teams. I actually coached the team um, ah. from '98 to 2002, so that was a, a different thing. You're obviously working very closely with the captain, but um, and that was great because I had a long spell, 15 years or so of coaching international squads. And that really was the pinnacle of my international coaching. And that was another very, very interesting thing. Um, so, I mean, it all it adds a little bit to it because I've, I have dipped my toe into some of these experiences, but nothing like the pressure cauldron that the Ryder Cup uh, guys are under, of course. So, yeah, let's talk about that as, you know, as, as we look ahead, we got, you know, a couple of weeks, you know, from now we got the Ryder Cup and, it, it, you know, as you talked about, uh, you know, a moment ago, when you look at the Curtis Cup, the American ladies dominated that event for, for a number of years. Now we've got the European team on the Ryder Cup dominating that event now over the last, you know, certainly over the last decade or so. The U.S. team's got, you know, a very talented group of players. I think it's very evenly matched as, as we look ahead, but, you know, talk about, you know, the Ryder Cup and your experience in, you know, broadcasting and being around that event. Well, I think overall of the ones that I've attended, um, you know, there's always a great debate, which I find very interesting as to how, uh, how much of an impact the captains actually make. Um, you know, because, of course, they send their players out there and then it's down to the players. And I think there is a limited amount that the captains can do. And I think the captains can be important either if they're very good or if they're very poor. And I think in 2002, of course, the Ryder Cup was um, postponed for a year because of the 9-11. Mm-hmm. And Sam Torrance was the European captain. And he came to the Belfry one year later with a team 
that had a lot of players who were bang out of form, hadn't performed, hadn't played well for a long time. The likes of Jesper Parnovic, Paul McGinley, to a certain extent, players who had been playing really well in 12 months previously had, you know, tipped over. And I think his man management of that team and his ability to say, drop exactly the right word into the ear at exactly the right time was absolutely key for that team to win. You know, and it was full of people like um, that the American public wouldn't have heard too much about, like Philip Price, who went on to beat Phil Mickelson in the singles. So, um, you know, that that captaincy by um, Sam Torrance was just outstanding, really outstanding. And, you know, then I, I think when captains are evenly matched, it just comes down to what's, what happens out in the golf course, really. But, uh, you know, if there's a poor captain that can uh, provide a few ructions in behind the scenes and the players are a bit, you know, off balance and out of kilter with decisions that have been made and so on, and if they don't like them... Well, it can reflect and, uh, you know, you can see some evidence of that in the course. So to that point, Maureen, if, you know, if you were able to sort of, you know, if you will, cross enemy lines and, and, and talk to, you know, the U.S. team because of, you know, lost three in a row, like I say, lost eight of the last 10 times and have some sort of inspirational. What, what would you say to a team? You know, you had to do it back as a coach in, in, in those uh, in those matches that you were a part of. Um, what would you say to the U.S. team to try to get that, you know, to your point, get their heads on right? Well, you know, honestly, I think there's a lot of nonsense talked about Europe dominating at the moment. Of course, they've won uh, like oodles of matches in the last, you know, 10 goals. But if you look at the results, it's by a point, mostly. You know, there's absolutely nothing between it, nothing between the teams. There, There very, very seldom is. There aren't very many matches where you get, uh, you know, a four-point or five-point difference. And I think, you know, honestly, Chris, I'm not going to be very popular with this. I think this task force thing that you guys have going on is absolute nonsense. I mean, you're kind of sitting <laughs> on this side of the Atlantic and thinking, you're really trying too hard. It's a sport with momentum. And the minute you try to corral... Um, talent and wizardry and feel and representing your country and you try to set it all down in a list of do you do this and I'll do that and then you do that and if this happens we'll do the other. You, I mean that's not what got your guys to being the great players that they are. You know they're kind of they're talking themselves into it. If you if you actually you know, have to explain to somebody how to, I don't know, walk from A to B. And you say you put your left foot forward, you put your weight down on your heel first, and you move it forward. Just walk, just go and play. Because uh, you, the American team is so talented. There's talent dripping out of their fingertips. They're going to be playing world-class players, of course. And it comes down to mano a mano out there on the field of play. The captains just need to make everything very comfortable, as, as comfortable as they can, off the course, attend to the players' needs and whims, and let them get on with it. But honestly, it's just uh, like we just all looked at each other over here in disbelief at this task force business. So, I, you know, I don't know if it's going to make your guys feel better because they feel that they're 
not leaving any stone unturned, but I kind of feel that sometimes they risk jumping into straight jackets and you <laughs> never perform when you're in a straight jacket. So anyway, you'll probably now beat the Europeans by, you know, hands down, Chris. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting that you say all that, Maureen, because, you know, we talk a lot, a lot on this show about, you know, the mental side, you know, of the game of golf. And it's, you know, because sometimes, you know, our minds, you know, get in our way of, you know, being able to perform. We worry too much. We see the water. We're looking at the water. We're looking at the trouble, blah, blah, blah. And we end up, you know, yep. doing the exact thing that, you know, that we're that we're afraid we're going to do. It seems like that's what you're saying here, that we're we're thinking too much and we're letting, you know, our minds get, you know, too far into this thing, which is probably in the end in hampering our ability to win. Yeah, anytime well. anybody wins anything, they supremely demonstrate the ability to play with no fear and to 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 swing with freedom that's that's the goal of every golfer when the pressure is really on and i'm not sure it becomes easier to achieve that by talking everything up and down and round the houses and let's all discuss it again and we'll pick three guys now in another two days and then we'll wait another seven days and then we'll pick another one in case we don't pick somebody who's playing really well. Honestly, it would make your head spin and you're not, we're not even at the venue yet. <laughs> right. And Maureen, but and I, I mean what this... What do I know, Chris? I mean, that's just my opinion. You know, um, if you just look at the talent that you have, you've got... Um, most of the, a lot of top 10 players there, um, these guys are thoroughly professional. They don't want to let themselves down. They, they know how to prepare and win majors. You know, it's not that different. And Maureen, I, I mean this sincerely. I think, you know, you're the best broadcaster in the business. Inside the ropes, there is just nobody better than you. And I love the way that you describe what players are facing out there. You know, the, the phrases you come up with fiendishly, fiendishly difficult putt, or I recall you describing, you know, the U S open greens, like putting on a rumpled picnic basket or a, a putt that, you know, Zach Johnson was about to make. And you, you, you said there's, there's no marble staircase. It's more like an escalator straight, you know, stuck on full throttle. I, the, the things that you come up with and the way that you are able to help us envision what is actually going on out there, you know, through, you know, through your description, you're on the radio, you help us, you know, so much, you add so much to the broadcast and the experience of listening to that broadcast. Do, do those things just, you know, those phrases, they just pop into your mind or you know, how do you come up with those sorts of things? And, and your, your wonderful style is so important to us now when we're listening to the, you know, the events that you're broadcasting. Well, I think Chris, you know, I mean, I, I've done a lot of television, which is, I much prefer, I think radio is more my natural habitat. And I try to just, I try to, I don't, I don't try to be clever. I try to look at things and just observe. And I, I, I try to think of people who are not near a television screen. And, you know, if I listen to golf commentary that's on the radio and it's just saying it's a seven iron and he's hit it into 10 feet. Well, you know, okay, that's fine. I, I'm at home and I'm thinking, well, was he going uphill? Was he going downhill? Where's the pin? You know, what's it like? You know, what's, you know, what are the players looking at? 
And, you know, when we were last year at Whistling Straits at the PGA, I mean, honestly, the vistas were just magnificent. So I watched the players, and when it's not their turn. They're looking out, you know, onto the shores of Lake Michigan. And, you know, it. I just try sometimes to bring that to the listener. But I have to say, way back when I, when I started, we've got a wonderful um, radio sports program over here, Radio 5 Live, with consummate commentators. And I, this was early in my radio broadcasting career, and we were at Wentworth. And the 12th hole at Wentworth, the galleries can't really get down to the 12th hole. And they, the ropes stopped them about 50 yards short of the green. And then the 13th tee is down there and swings back up. So the, the galleries just stay there, and then they're sort of already on their way down the 13th. So anyway, um, I'm, I'm plodding down there, and um, I think it was Colin Montgomery knocks it in, you see, to about six feet behind the flag. And I was feeling rather tired, and I thought, I'm not going to bother going down there. And they'll not come back out to me for this putt, because it's very tree-lined, and the radio interference was always quite high high there. So I thought, oh, I'll not bother. They'll never come to me for this putt. So I'm just leaning against the ropes, minding my own business. And the next thing I can hear them saying, well, Monty's, Montgomery's got this putt now for birdie. Maureen, what's he got? And I had no idea, of course. <laughs> I had my binoculars, so I said, oh, he's six feet behind the pin that's left to right. Anyway, he misses it. So that's it. And I finish off the commentary and I think, hmm, I maybe should have gone down there. And I'm walking up the 13th and this guy leans over. He comes along, he leans over the rope and taps me on the shoulder. And he said it was 10 feet and it was right to left. And he had an earpiece in and he was listening on the radio. And it taught me a real lesson. You can think that the people listening to you can't see. But very often, because now it's very common for people to have their earpieces in uh, on the golf course, very often they have got an even better view than you have. So you better not just run the risk of making it up on the spot as I did all those years ago. <laughs> and Maureen, you and I share an affinity for the Masters Tournament in Augusta National. As I recall, our communication from earlier this year, you know, you were at the Masters, you know, but not as a broadcaster, as a patron, just like the rest of us were, and just kind of soak in the atmosphere of the event, if you will. Talk about what that event means to you. Well, the Masters is a funny one. I, I was working this year, but um, two out of the last, I've been there, oh, I've worked at two Masters, and I have been there um, maybe four or five times just, you know, as a total golf fan. And um, it's funny, having been in and around um, golf all my life and having been fortunate enough to have access to the biggest tournaments in the world, um if you told me I could only go to one tournament, not to work, but just to go to one tournament a year, which one would it be? It would have to be the Masters. Um, it's just everybody who walks onto the grounds at Augusta National seems to stand a little taller, pull their tummies in a bit more, get their shoulders back. And, you know, the, the sheer physical beauty of the place is something to behold. But um, there's, you know, it's just the most magnificent golf course to walk around. Um, I have never played it. Um, I think I'd like to play it, but I, 
I'm not sure because I know it would destroy me when we got round the greens. Um, <laughs> uh, absolutely, it would. And it's just um, because the the tournament in in our terms over here, it's a, you know it's a young tournament. It's not young in American terms, but what you what they have managed to do is create a tradition and a history very quickly simply because it's the same venue year after year. And therefore, you know, the ghosts of previous Masters tournaments walk alongside all the players who are playing and trying to win a, a green jacket. You know, that's sort of what happened with Jordan Spieth's meltdown this year. You know, you're at the 12th. If he was at the 12th on any other golf course or they only played at Augusta once every five years, or whatever, you wouldn't feel that weight of history hanging on you so heavily. But everybody who's there knows of various meltdowns over the years on particular holes, on certain danger points. You know, so it's it's total mind games. And, I mean, it's just an absolutely lovely place to be. Maureen, to that end, you know, what, what events or courses, if you will, kind of hit you more in the heart? They, they invoke an emotional connection or importance to you. Um, well, I heard Jim, your previous guest, talking about Royal County Down. I'm very fortunate to be, I've played there many times and um, it's a great golf course. Um, I'm, I've also played Royal Port Rush many, many times. I'm a member of both of those clubs. But just along the road from Port Rush is Port Stewart. And that was really where I grew up and played my golf. And the first tee at Port Stewart Golf Club is arguably the finest view from any first tee in the world. It's got about, I would say it's got 10 or 12 exceptional golf holes. It's not the heavy weight that the Royal County Downs and the Royal Port Rushes of this world are. But you, you, you hit the nail on the head, Chris. When you wrap in the emotion of it and my growing up there and, you know, playing with my dad and my mum and the laughs and the fun and the first comp- little competitions that you managed to win and, you know, playing in rain, hail and shine, you know, when that all is wrapped up together, um, I think Port Stewart is the, pl- is the place for me. Maureen, just a couple more before we let you go. And, and I'm, you know, as, as you sit back on, you know, your, your downtime, you know, are you and you reflect back on, on the things that you've done, whether it's, you know, in your, in the course of your playing career or now, you know, as, as like I say, one of the best broadcasters in the business, you know, do you, do you sit back and, and do you, do you realize, you know, the, you know, how much you enhance, our enjoyment, you know, of listening to golf tournaments now and how much, you know, when, when, you know, you talked about, you know, people, you know, the producer going from, or director, I should say, going from uh, different, you know, you know, broadcaster to broadcaster, hole to hole and that sort of thing. When that happens, when I'm listening to a golf tournament, whether it's on Sirius, you know, XM or wherever it might be, and they go away from you in, in my head, I'm thinking, no, 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 no. Go back to Maureen Medill because I, you know, I enjoy hearing the broadcast from her point of view better than you know any of these other folks. Are you aware of how much you know you make a difference to us when we're listening to to you uh, describe golf tournaments? 
Um, not really. No, no I'm, I would say I'm not because when I'm out there, I'm walking down inside the ropes with the players and you've got, as you know, you've got your headset on and, you know, they come to you for something or other. And I just try to tell people what I'm seeing and what I'm thinking. And I think one of the things that I find um, in, in, you know, broadcasting differs between... Um, you know, Great Britain and Ireland and the States. And I think that a lot of uh, broadcasters over here in Great Britain and Ireland um, don't mind being critical. Um, I find that in America sometimes they're a bit more reluctant to be critical. And, you know, I think you've got to be very measured, but you can't just say that something's great if it's not great you know that's not being that's not giving a true reflection of what's going on I mean if for example you know um, golf courses don't like it for example if you say that the greens aren't rolling particularly truly but you know that's life and that happens sometimes because the weather plays a part it's nobody's fault it's just what happens and we would be more liable I think in this country over here to report that um, accurately, whereas I feel in America there's maybe always a bit of a pressure to make everything sound as if it's absolute perfection, which of course it can never be. So I do try to be um, quite honest in things that I say, but I don't go out to say, to criticize, I don't set out to criticize just per se, but I get so... I so enjoy what I'm looking at. I'm, um, I love, I just love watching all the different players. And, you know, when you're out in the fairway with them, you see so much that you can't see from a television screen when you're doing television commentary from the booth because you feel the atmosphere between the caddy and the player. You feel if there's any atmosphere between the two players. You know, there's a lot going on out there. And I try to get that across to give the, the listener, if you like, a ringside seat. And um, because I'm just so enjoying it myself, I don't really think about it. It's just, you know, like I'm chatting to you now. I'm telling you how I feel when I'm out there. But what astonishes me all, always then is afterwards, you know, when you're off air and you're maybe walking in and whatever, the number of people, and this is where the Americans are so generous, the American galleries, there, the, nobody in Great Britain and Ireland tells you would tell you over the ropes how, how much they've enjoyed something. Well, maybe because they haven't, but they don't tell you. <laughs> but the Americans are so generous, and that's one of the the lovely things about it. They're, they're I think your countrymen are very empowering um, because they'll say, you know, Val, we really enjoyed that, and that always takes me aback because I don't come from that background where I'm accustomed to members of the general public just coming up to you and saying, really enjoyed, you know, the work you did at such and the other or whatever. So, um, you know, we we don't, we're not generous like that, as, as I think you guys are. So I love being in America. I absolutely love it. It's a bit, um, it's a bit more zany than working for, say, the BBC or some of the people I've worked for over here. Um, but I just 
absolutely love it and we always have very, very amusing times because inevitably there will be an expression that I use or, or that my colleague, my American colleagues use and I think, oh, I have no idea what that means. And you <laughs> ask me a question and they've said, I said, I haven't got a clue what on earth that means. You're going to have to tell me. So, um, you know, so the whole thing is great, is great fun. But no, I get wrapped up in a cocoon when I'm commentating. And so it's a bit of a surprise when I actually realize other people have heard it. <laughs> but, but it's great fun. I love it. Will you be at Hazeltine broadcasting the Ryder Cup? I will be the, I believe I'm the only European on the American broadcast team, yes. Wow. And the last time that I, that situation arose was in 2008. So there's a good omen for you. There you go. We, we appreciate every little piece we can get. I promise you that. Maureen, how can our listeners stay up to date with all the things that you're doing, whether they're following you online or over social media? Well, um, this year, my sister, who is a golf writer, um, we Patricia and I started a golf blog, which is medillgolf.com. And she had wanted to do it for two or three years. She wrote for the Times on golf for about 20 years. Her late husband was the golf correspondent of The Guardian. Uh, between them, they crisscrossed the globe and you know, over 25, 30 years covered more than 100 majors each. Um, so she's a terrific resource. And this is an indulgence. We just write about whatever we want to write about. We don't report in tournaments. We leave that to other people. But we have so many contacts and people through the world of golf, and we just try to do some interesting and entertaining stuff. So, um, and occasionally I might say in that where I'm going or what I'm up to, but I shall certainly look forward to um, seeing all of you guys when I come over to Hazeltine. That's going to be a great trip. Maureen, thank you so much for being so kind to take time out of your day to join me. I hope you'll do it again sometime because it's been a huge thrill for me to get to spend some time with you today. Well, it's been lovely, Chris. And um, I w will you be at Hazeltine? No, unfortunately, I won't be. But uh, I will certainly enjoy listening to your description of what's going on. Okay, well, just you remember what I said last time. I was the only European on the broadcast team 2008. And the Americans had a very good outcome. I just That's wonder, right. will it be again? <laughs> Thank you so much again, Maureen. I, I look forward to hopefully the opportunity to get to spend some time with you again in the future. Right. You take care. Thanks very much, Chris. Bye. Thank you, Maureen. Bye-bye. That is uh, Maureen Medill. And boy, you, you know, it just, it, folks, I'm sure th those of you who are aware that have listened to her, whether it's on the BBC or you, you've gotten to listen to her on the Sirius XM channel or wherever, you know, whatever tournament or whatever, you know, avenue you've heard her describe, uh, you know, the tournaments out there. She is absolutely fantastic. Cannot wait to listen to her at the, at the Ryder Cup. And then hopefully we get the privilege of catching up with uh, Maureen again real soon. All right, folks, it's time for me to put a bow on this episode. My sincere thanks to Jim Estes and Maureen Medill for making today's show so much fun for me to be a part of. I hope you enjoyed it, too. Please also check out our sister show, Thursday Night Tailgate, with me and my co-host, Bob Lazari, and our announcer, Joe Lajanusa. That show airs live every Thursday night from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. You can stream it live on Blog Talk Radio. You can hear it on the Armed Forces Radio Network as well. That show, like this one, is also available on iHeartRadio. Thank you for making Next on the T one of the most popular podcasts downloaded 
from from iHeartRadio. That means so much to us. We can't thank you enough for your support. You can also find us on, you know, your favorite apps, whether, you know, it's Spreaker, TuneIn, Stitcher, Player.fm, SoundCloud. We are all over the net. So if you have a favorite app, uh, please check us out, whether it's Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro or, or Thursday Night Tailgate. Take us with you everywhere you go. On Thursday Night Tailgate, we are joined every week by legends and stars from around the NFL. We're official partners of the NFL Alumni Association. So we bring you five guests every single week, current or former players, uh, telling their stories, just like they do here on Next on the Tee. Please also check out both shows. You can find us on Facebook. Give us a like. That's important to us as well. You can find us online, uh, this show, nextonthetee.net and thursdaynighttailgate.com from either of those sites. You can also stream or download any of our archive episodes for free, plus keep up to date with who some of our future guests are going to be. Folks, I can't thank you enough for choosing to listen to this show today. We appreciate you so very much. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends. You've been listening to Next on the Tee with Christmas Carol. Where PGA and LPGA legends, pros and top instructors And media members go to tell their stories Join us the same time every Saturday To hear more stories about the game we love From the people who love sharing those stories with you It's all about the great game of golf It's all about the great game of golf